Hello and welcome to another episode of the I Should Have Known podcast. Today, Andy is going to tell us all about punctuation once again. She has four big facts and we're going to try to guess which one is a lie. Yeah. So this is punctuation part two. So yeah, if you didn't listen to our first episode on punctuation after this one, go listen to that. Yeah. So I recently finished my master's in applied linguistics. Wow. Congratulations. Congrats. Yes. So I guess this is kind of to celebrate that a little bit at the beginning of this episode. And the first fact is going to be kind of really linguistic nerdy. No problem. But stay with me because the last three facts are going to be very approachable, very fun. So we're going to mix a little bit of we're going to get really nerdy, but then we're also going to be very approachable. Okay. Sounds good. So today we're we're only doing English. Okay. Good to know. Okay. One of my favorite facts from the first episode was that the first punctuation humans invented was the word space. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day, they just ran everything together. They didn't have word space. They, they nothing. You had to know where everything was broken up. Oh, man. That's so weird to think of that as punctuation. That really yeah. broadens your idea of it. Yeah. So ultimately with punctuation and any writing is that it's arbitrary. Okay. So in linguistics, the spoken language is kind of given predominance. Mm-hmm. Many languages aren't even written down, but they're still languages. So any of these rules of writing and orthography, they're kind of manufactured. Mm-hmm. And styles go in and out. You know, there are trends. And so a lot of these rules that you learn in school have changed significantly over time. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there is this true rule is made up. Well, I hope my English teacher is listening to this episode. <laughs> she will not be a fan. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you have a hard time remembering when you should use a comma or when you should use a period, yeah. or, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good to know. The history of punctuation, the way it developed was that there's always this kind of tussle between spoken and written language. So Mm -hmm. the question is always, is the punctuation represent how we say the sentences or do we say the sentences based on how the punctuation tells us? Yeah. So this is constantly a fight. It goes back and forth. Historically, it has kind of been the writing tells you how to say stuff, but only Hmm. for the stuff that is meant to be said aloud. Right. That was how the period was developed. Mm -hmm. And it's going to come back in one of the punctuation marks I'm going to talk about today. Okay. So that being said... My first fact is related to this. All right. So fact number one, the only truly grammatical punctuation in written English is the apostrophe. Truly grammatical? What does that mean? So yeah, we're, we have a problem with the word grammar in English. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yeah. It's like capital G grammar. Yeah. So linguistics, we call it capital G grammar, which is different from lowercase g grammar, which is the everyday understanding of grammar. What are the rules? You know, can you end a sentence with a preposition? This is lowercase g grammar. Capital G grammar is related to the morphology and syntax of a language. So the rules that govern, you know, how do we change verbs for a different subject? How do we decline nouns? Mm -hmm. So this is capital G grammar. This is more of a, a science. Yeah. So yeah, the only truly grammatical punctuation in written English is the apostrophe by that definition of grammar. Okay. Can you give us an example? Yes. As I said before, in spoken English, this isn't a problem because it doesn't matter. Sure. 
But it's the difference between cats and cats. Yeah. So the problem in English is that the possessive or the genitive form sounds the same as the plural form. Oh, I get it now. So if I say cats, and I mean more than one cat, mm-hmm. you know, then I would not write a, an apostrophe. Right. It would be C-A-T-S. Yeah. But if I want to say something belongs to the cat, right. then I have to put an apostrophe before the S, C-A-T apostrophe S. Why this is considered capital G grammar is because we're changing the morphology. Yeah. And within the syntax of the sentence, we're changing what part of speech the word right. is. Yeah. It carries grammatical weight. This one little stroke. Yeah. So it's the only one. That's not to say punctuation can't change the meaning of a sentence. So my favorite example of this, which maybe you've heard on the internet, is let's eat grandma and let's eat grandma. <laughs> Yeah. So putting the comma before grandma <laughs> spares her from being yeah. eaten. Yeah. But this is like it's representing the intonation, which conveys meaning. So it's not that punctuation is useless. It does convey meaning, but it doesn't change like the underlying sense of what mm-hmm. each thing is. Grandma's still a noun. Right. Okay. But yeah, this is the only one in English and it's actually rare across languages. Yeah. That's really weird. Do you have any idea why? Why does English have this weird thing where the apostrophe changes the syntax of a sentence? I'm thinking that in older versions of English, like Old English, Middle English, there were cases and things that you changed nouns with at the end of the word. And so when you drop those, you replace it with an apostrophe. And so now the only way to represent that is with an apostrophe. Basically, yeah. So we all have to learn Polish because we live in Poland. And Polish has cases where the nouns, they have endings that changes what part of the sentence the noun is. This was a part of Indo-European where the nouns had cases. So Latin had cases, Polish has cases, and Old English had cases. But we got rid of those. Yeah. Thankfully. The, uh, The strong masculine and strong neuter nouns, this class of nouns, they had the ending S. Right. You know, you would have like kunig means king. So you'd have kuniges, which would mean the kings. Yeah. Okay. But we changed our pronunciation of the sound and eventually we lost the E. So we Mm -hmm. just started saying kunigs, basically kings, like we do now. And so to represent this, people put apostrophe S. Okay. This is one of the rare examples that the punctuation actually carries syntactic weight like this. Weird. It's the only one in English, unless I'm lying. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you're lying. Maybe we're just full of them. So that's my heady... That's a nerdy fact. That one's nerdy. (laughs) But I think it starts a good discussion, though, talking about what direction does punctuation go? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the, the next three are much more approachable. Okay, okay. Let's approach it then. All right, fact number two is about the ampersand. Okay, so the and symbol? Yeah, the and symbol. Mm -hmm. So fact number two, a common folk etymology for ampersand is that it comes from the phrase and per se and, but this is not true. Hmm. So we have to talk about folk etymology, right? I've definitely heard this before, but I don't know if it was real or not. Okay, yeah, define folk etymology for us. Yeah. Yeah. So a folk etymology is when people who use a language, they make up the history of a word Mm -hmm. that they think makes sense, but it doesn't actually reflect the real history. Yep. 
Yeah. So it always happens with acronyms or people make words acronyms, like everyone's favorite F word. <laughs> the F stands for this, the U stands for this, mm-hmm. but it's made up. Yeah. Or, or the acronym for stupid. Never heard of that. You don't know the full form of stupid? No. Okay. It's smart, talented, unique person in demand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I must yeah. be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an excellent folk etymology because yeah. that is certainly yeah. not where stupid comes from. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So, yeah, this gets floated around a lot. This name, because ampersand is a weird word. Right? Yeah. I think people just every day call it the and symbol. Yeah. Yeah, nowadays, yeah. Yeah, and they use it interchangeably, which is not correct. Right. That's a good point, Soup. So nowadays, the style is very much to avoid the ampersand. Right. There is one place, though, where the ampersand is still commonly used. Like in business company names, right? Like and sons. And partners, yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially law firms, Mm -hmm. yeah. But this is a problem nowadays because computers don't recognize it as a word. So a lot of companies are actually kind of annoyed with like hashtags on Twitter and things because they have to write the word and. Yeah, H&M, A&W, AT&T. Tiffany and Company is with an ampersand. Yeah. Right. So this is a problem because the computer doesn't recognize this as a letter, which is funny because that's how the folk etymology goes. Oh. So the, the etymology that people will always share on the internet is that the alphabet used to end X, Y, Z, and per se, and. Yeah. Right. And was kind of considered a letter of the alphabet. And per se is the Latin for just meaning like... It means alone. Alone. Okay. Or by itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Standing alone by itself. It's not wrong per se. It's not wrong by itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was and by itself. The symbol Mm. was considered separate from et cetera, that's what people say. Right. Okay. But there's no evidence of anyone writing etc. like this. Right. So it doesn't make sense. Why would you say and per se? Sounds so weird. Ultimately, the problem is no one knows where this word comes from exactly. Uh, yeah. One idea is that it's and per se and, but that's not true because it's a folk etymology. Yeah. There's not really evidence to support that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This next punctuation form is highly controversial. Okay. How do you feel about the semicolon? <laughs> I like it. Yeah? Do you I, use it? I use it quite often, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I write a lot of lists, right? Yeah, that's when I use it, too. Mm-hmm. I, I think that semicolon is kind of, it seems pretentious, but right. when you're using a list, that's when you absolutely must use it. Because if your list items include commas, you can't use a comma to separate bigger list items. Exactly. List within a list. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Also, I think when you use semicolon, it makes you look a really professional. Like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So does one of you, do you know, do you want to tell our listeners what the current modern style rule for using a semicolon is? Because many people just don't even know. So when the thought is not over, you don't put a full stop. And it's yeah. a continuation of a thought. So you put a semicolon and another clause or a phrase starts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You have two clauses you want to connect, yeah. right? That are yeah. could be independent, but they're not. 100%. That's the style now. That's the rule. Okay. So I'm really glad to hear your opinions. And I'm really glad you guys brought up pretentious because wait until you're fact number three. People have opinions. Okay. Fact number three. <laughs> In the 20th century, many male writers 
adamantly avoided using the semicolon because they thought it was effeminate. What? <laughs> how is a grammar? How is punctuation feminine or masculine? Oh yes. Oh, that's exactly the question, Tanner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Amazing. And do we have examples of these writers? Yeah. So, and these are very famous writers. Okay. Okay. Famous examples are Kurt Vonnegut, Cormac McCarthy, and Ernest Hemingway. They all wrote about how they strongly avoided the semicolon. But not because it was pretentious or because they didn't understand it, because they didn't like how it looked. So being pretentious was a bit of it. Kurt Vonnegut famously said that a semicolon is just to prove you went to college. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, there was a very big gender element to this. They thought that if you're a man and you're manly and masculine writing, you should be definitive. Yeah. Use a period. Use a full stop. Or use the dash. Oh, God, no. The horizontal dash. They were big fans of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And kind of to support them, people pointed out that Virginia Woolf, who was a writer Mm -hmm. around the same time, she used thousands of semicolons in her writing. So this was kind of like they saw a feminine angle to this. Huh. So they thought, like, if you want to end your sentence, end your sentence, put a period and start a new sentence, which I think is hilarious that they thought periods were masculine. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So this was like a, this was a big deal. And a lot of feminist writers, they even talked about purposefully using the semicolon because this was railed against so much by male writers. But yeah, nowadays it's a sign of being educated, Mm -hmm. but it's, I think it's also useful. Yeah, I think it's very useful. (laughs) Yeah. And I also think it does reflect the way we speak. So we don't speak in full sentences. Right. And our thoughts are connected. Our thoughts are connected, you know, so sometimes it it can be useful when you're representing dialogue, especially, or even if you're writing prose as a kind of more train of thought, it can really help represent that connection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then fact number four, the hashtag gets its name originally from military symbols. Military symbols. Okay. What? Hashtag is, wait, okay. What? What symbols in the military? So, especially in the U.S. Navy, they use what are called, nowadays are called service stripes to represent your rank. Yes. So the more stripes you have are double stripes. These kind of, they represent your rank in the military. So more stripes is generally considered better. And they're parallel and also kind of slanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. These lines are now called service stripes, but they used to be called hashes. Okay. Okay. So in America, before Twitter, we called this symbol the pound sign. Pound sign, sign. yeah. Well, obviously in Britain, they can't call it the pound sign because the pound sign is the little squiggly L that they use for their money. (laughs) Yeah, so they called that the hash sign. So then Twitter used this symbol for tagging things. Mm -hmm. We all use the word hashtag wrong now, technically, because originally they had meant it as the word was the tag that the hash symbol was just the sign for the computer so the word was the hashtag so if you write you know hashtag blessed blessed was the hashtag (laughs) through usage now the symbol has come to mean hashtag yeah oh wow and it's tagged with the hash sign yeah which in the u.s used to be called the pound sign yeah but funnily enough, I always learned it as the hash sign. 
because we were yeah. learning British English in school. Yeah. Right. In That's British English, it's called the hash sign. Yeah. yeah. In, in American English, it's called the number sign or the pound sign. So if you ever right. call into an American phone line, they say, press pound for more options. Yeah. And you're looking for the, the squiggly L on there. <laughs> you're like, looking for the squiggly what? L. <laughs> What's very funny about that is, so the hash sign and the pound sign both originally come from the same symbol. Wait. Oh. Wait, I think I remember reading something once that the pound sign in English, in American English, comes from pounds as in a weight, like ounces, right? Like it's an L and a B written together. And somehow that gives you the two crossing lines somehow? Uh, yes, 100%. Yeah, exactly. So the, the British little squiggly L, that means yeah. the pound sterling, yeah. comes from the same Roman phrase as the pound sign, which is now called a hashtag. So the pound sign in America and the pound sign in the UK actually came from the same thing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. So this was called the, the Libra Pondo, which is Latin for scales and weight. Yeah. So this was a unit of weight and measurement and also a symbol. So it was written as an LB with a line through the top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when people hand wrote this, they kind of cheated and made it like two vertical lines and two horizontal lines. Yeah. And right. Instead of connecting the bottom two, the bottom mm -hmm. one to make the B, they just were lazy. Yeah. <laughs> LB. Yeah, because LB is short for Libra in this Libra Pondo. Okay. Very cool. But the reason we call it a hash is because of the navy? Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. Wow. And we also that all use up. the phrase wrong as it was meant to be used. <laughs> it's, it's a disaster. Yeah. So now this symbol is often called a hashtag. That's kind of commonly what it's known as. Yeah. We say, and we say hashtag, not just hash. Yeah. yeah. If you study linguistics, one of the first things you have to accept is that language belongs to its users and whatever people start doing, that's the rule now. Mm -hmm. So that hashtag is now the name of this, is not what Twitter intended it to be. But it doesn't matter. It's that's not that's not how people use it. People use it to mean the symbol. It means the symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it a full circle. Yeah, yeah. Punctuation is ultimately arbitrary, and however we feel like using it is the right way to use it. Really. Wow. So yeah. So now you guys have to guess which one of those was a lie. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh man, we covered a lot of ground there. Yeah. Do you think you could recap those for us before we guess which one's a lie? Of course. Fact number one, the only truly grammatical punctuation in written English is the apostrophe. Fact number two, a common folk etymology for ampersand is that it comes from the phrase and per se and, but this is untrue. Fact number three, in the 20th century, many male writers avoided using the semicolon because they thought it was effeminate. And fact number four, the hashtag gets its name originally from military symbols. Okay. Oh, man. Um, if I have to pick which one's a lie, I think, no, these are really hard. These are super tough. Okay. Kurt Vonnegut and Ernest Hemingway, they probably have strong gender opinions about the semicolon. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's the lie. You think? I think they were like really nice <laughs> you, think, you know these guys you've read these books right i know i know i've read uh, read them 
I mean, a lot of authors write about a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> okay. I've heard a lot of things about this stuff, but I, it's always the problem where I can't keep it straight. I can't think. Right. Was it true or was it a misconception? So ampersand, definitely heard and per sand. Mm-hmm. So I think that one I'm going to leave. That yeah. one sounds fine. Me too. The first one was... The apostrophe. The apostrophe. That makes sense. That's an only one, but only it, one. Ah, it makes sense. Yeah. It's also an only. <sighs> so that leaves the hashtag one, which, I mean, we just discussed names come from everywhere or we don't know where it comes from. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with apostrophe. You're going with number one? Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking it's not only the apostrophe. Okay. Going with number three. Number three? You're giving yeah. these guys the benefit of the doubt with the semicolon? Yeah. All right. Okay. So... Tanner, you went with the apostrophe and Soups went with the semicolon? Yes. Those are both true. Oh, man. The lie is the ampersand. Really? That is not a folk etymology. That's the actual etymology Uh, of the word ampersand. No way. That's really genuinely the the etymology. The folk is the word. Yeah, okay. I mean, that is an awfully weird word, I guess. It's called a mondegreen. This is the name of when a bunch of words get smushed together and become a single word. So Mm -hmm, and per se and is actually the etymology of the word ampersand. So all of those internet things are totally, they're totally right. Yeah. 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 You just played around between what is folklore and what is actually the real story. Ah. Yeah. So I I kind of played with that because we've we've done that a couple other times where the common story Mm -hmm. is not actually true so i turn that on its head the common story is the truth yeah you got us you got us that's real wow that's real i should have known should have known i'm really sorry that ernest Hemingway was a dick